fears, and he is always with us. Understand, that is the relationship that we have with our God. He is mighty. He is great. This morning, we want to celebrate our God as he shares the message of Jesus Christ around the world. We, as a church, are connected to the Ukraine. We have sent teams to the Ukraine, have one that just gotten back. We minister there to the churches, to the seminary. We minister in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we are linked with the Ukrainians in that place. And representatives of the Ukrainian people and the missionaries who are there sharing the gospel are Dan and Lori Upchurch. Now, they're not strangers to us. They've been with us many times. Matter of fact, while they were going to Missouri Baptist University, just about a mile or two from us, uh, they were part of this congregation, and they, they ministered here, spent a great deal of time in the nursery, not because they were children, but because they cared for the children there. And they ministered in God's name. But right now, God sent them as missionaries. They been in what used to be formerly uh, Russia, and uh, they have gone and ministered. They were in Belarus, and there we first met them with our teams, and now they're in the Ukraine. Um, Dan has his MDiv and his PhD from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, but again, that's just kind of the surface about these missionaries. Julia, I'm going to ask you to come up here. I, I just love this. Julia, with them seated right there, tell us some things about them that we don't know. All right? Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, when Pastor asked me this morning to say a few words, and honestly, the very first thing that came into my mind is I met Dan and Lori when I was about 14, 15, maybe younger, but that's what I remember. And one of the first things that they knew about me is I didn't speak English. Uh, and. That never stopped them from outreaching. That never stopped them from hanging out with me. They've put in so much time and effort into myself, not only from pushing me towards learning the language, uh, but also growing uh, in my faith. So one of the funny stories I have is when I was about 16, and that was the very first time when Dan asked me to translate for uh, a group of nurses and doctors that came from Missouri. Uh, they came to Belarus to do actually a bunch of stuff. So Dan came up to me and said, hey, how about you gonna be one of our translators? And not only it freaked me out to the point that I had no idea what medical terms are in Russian, I had to learn them in English. And the very first thing that I got to do is he put me in this ambulance uh, van and said, okay, Julia, here are the two doctors and a nurse, go. And we were literally driving around on real 911 calls, uh, and I was there translating. That was, the, that was one of the things that let me understand first. I love the work that they do in Belarus. Uh, second, it pushed me towards growing, uh, not only with English, but as I said, spiritually as well, because it was just amazing to see all these hundreds of people coming to the small country of Belarus that is about the size of Missouri, uh, and meeting all these people, helping them, uh, providing for them. So, yeah, Dan and Lori, I mean, I have so many stories about them that, yeah, some of them are very interesting. Uh, we got to we got to travel to all these different places in Belarus. We've got to meet so many many people. Um, they touched my life to the point that there, there was, used to be a joke between me and them. He would always ask me, "Hey, when are you getting married?" And I was about 16 when the first that question came up, and I said, "Dan, don't worry about it. You will be the first person to know because you will be the one performing the ceremony." And here we go. Last year, they flew all the way from Ukraine just for a few days to to witness me and and Nick getting married, and then I was the one performing the ceremony. So that was pretty amazing. Um, but yes, with those two being, they spent. I don't know, over 10, 15 years in Belarus. Uh, they've done so much to the point that if you were ever to come to my church in Belarus and ask a random person, do you know Dan and Lori? They will say yes. Even, even if they've never met them before, everybody knows who they are and they're, they're pretty amazing. And when they told us that they were moving to Ukraine, and some of us were like, oh, come on, you guys are gonna leave us? On the other hand, 
it was just a blessing to see that how God was working in their lives and um, that he had a plan for them. And yeah, look at many, many years later, they're still here working with Parkway, partnering with us, and they come to see us and visit us, and we all love them. Come on up. <laughs> Thank you, Julia. Thank you so much for that information again. This couple is connected with us. Dan, you're going to go up there, okay? And let me just remind you, um, this is such a giving congregation, such a mission-minded congregation. Lottie Moon was that missionary that came from a Baptist church in Virginia and went to China. There she gave her life in sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, her health was broken there. Um, but she gave her food to the people who were hungry and dying. Um, she was your representative, the representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in honor of what God did through her life with the Chinese people, we have the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, it's an offering we take at our church. Our goal is $30,000. Uh, that $30,000, none of it stays here at our church. Every bit of it goes to our missionaries around the world who share the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, in almost every country. Uh, you're part of that. You're part of their mission. You're, you're part of the Up Church's ministry to the Ukrainian people uh, because you give, because we go. Uh, as you listen to Dr. Up Church, please be reminded that what he's sharing with you is your mission. It's what you're about. And as you hear it, thank the Lord for what we're doing together with the Holy Spirit, for Christ. Dr. Upchurch, please speak to us now. Amen. Well, we are very honored to be here again at Parkway. Uh, we're very honored to be your International Mission Board missionaries. There's good news. Uh, last year's Lottie Moon Christmas offering was the third highest ever. We're hoping this one will be the second highest ever. Because uh, whereas many, you'll see many people uh, just on TV this morning, I was watching uh, at, our, at Lori's mom's house, and there were several people saying, you should give to this at Christmas, you should give to this at Christmas. And with some of those organizations, I, rem I was remembering scandals and that 60% of the money never goes to that cause and some of those things. Let me tell you, a hundred pennies out of every dollar that you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering winds up putting missionaries on the field and allowing us to do ministry. None of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering money is absorbed by administrative cost. So if you want to give to something that directly impacts missions, give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And the number of missionaries that are able to be appointed annually, the number of missionaries like us that are allowed to stay on the field, is directly proportional to the generous giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so I would encourage you, please give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and thank you for letting us be your representatives. You know, sometimes people look at us and they go, you know, must be a sacrifice to live in Ukraine, especially since we have five grandkids here in the States, the sixth one's on the way. But we always say this, to live where God wants you to live and get to do what God wants you to do is never a sacrifice, it's a joy. So thank you for allowing us to have that privilege of living in Ukraine where God wants us, having the privilege of serving at Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary where God wants us at this time, where we get to train young men and women to touch lives. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd encourage you to open it to 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter. We're going to be looking at four principles that really kind of guide our ministry there, but that I think should guide any ministry anywhere in the world are four characteristics that should be present in any ministry that's really going to be effective and it's going to be God-honoring. And I just want to read in the beginning, verse 1 of chapter 2, of the first epistle to the Thessalonian church. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. Wow. We didn't waste our time with you. It's basically what Paul is saying. You know, when we first got back, we had on our list, we came in in late August, we're leaving out January 3rd, we had on the list a few things we wanted to do. 
And one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to go to the Southeast Missouri District Fair at Cape Girardeau. Because with my mom and dad, we always went there once a year. Now, as a kid, I was bored because we had to look at the cows and we had to look at the sheep and we had to look at the pigs. And then finally, we'd get to go do something. Well, I drug my wife to look at the cows and the pigs and the sheep, and she loved it, I think. Or she loves me, one of the two. But the interesting thing was I noticed one thing that wasn't at the fair that was always there when I went as a kid. There was no carousel. Now, do you all remember the old-fashioned carousels? Little horses, some of them went up and down. Some of them didn't go up and down. There were benches, and you know the music. You know, it was was neat. And as a kid, I really wanted to get on that carousel. And I remember riding on it the first time and going on a horse for the first time that actually went up and down instead of one of them that just had to sit still. And the carousel was really fun. But then, you know, I realized in time, that carousel didn't go anywhere. There were bright lights, there was a great atmosphere, but all we did was go round and round in a circle. Often in ministry, we get on, or in life, we get on a carousel. And what we do in November, we always do in November. What we do in December, we always do in December. What we do in January, we always do in January. And even at the seminary, it's easy to do that. We have two semesters. We have six times a year our students come in. They come in for a week, we try to pump them up, they go back out, and they serve. And it's kind of, there's a predictable rhythm to it because you have a list of courses that you go through and you teach, and you have new faces that come in and go out, but, you know, there's kind of this rhythm of life. And it's very, very easy to just get on a carousel and to just repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. But Paul says, first of all, I wanted my ministry to be purposeful. Paul didn't preach the gospel to preach the gospel. Paul preached the gospel to see people saved. Paul didn't teach lessons about the Christian life so that people would know a lot of things about the Christian life, but so that they would become more and more Christ-like. He was purposeful in his ministry. And if you look at verse 13 in that same chapter, it worked. Because what happened there in verse 13? And we always thank God constantly for this, that you received the word of God, which you heard from us, and you accepted it as not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. It's always funny, because as I'm trying to teach people in Ukraine... Most of our students are somewhere between the age of 18 and 30. Now, since we've been home, I celebrated my 57th birthday, which now makes me older than over 90% of all the men in Ukraine. And the first time we got home, got here to America, I should say, and I went into Walmart and there were men older than I was, brother, that was a joyful moment. I was excited. I wasn't the oldest guy in the store. But there's a danger with being an older guy with white hair. What is left is white. And with at least a scruffy little beard, my students assume I'm smart. Until they learn differently like Yulia has. But there's always that temptation to impart to them the ideas of Dan rather than the word of God. But you know, if we really want to impact lives, we need to be purposeful about sharing the word of God. There are many good books in this world about self-improvement from a Christian perspective, about management from a Christian perspective, but there's no book that can measure up to the word of God. You see, the internal, all-knowing, ever-present, almighty God left us his instruction manual so that we could interact with him and our lives could be transformed by the living word which speaks to us through the written word. And in that process, lives are changed. Anton is one of my best friends. Anton is a drug addict, former drug addict, thankfully. Anton is about 35 If I were to show you a picture of Anton, you would not believe that he's a former drug addict. 
His eyes are clear. His face has no ill effects left over. His reasoning is as sharp as a tack. But you know what Anton says again and again? I'm sure glad somebody shared the word of God with me. Because you see, Anton started using drugs when he was 10 years old. And of all the people that Anton used drugs with, he is the only one still alive. You see, we need to be purposeful about sharing the word of God to change the lives of people because they are eternally dead in their sins. And many of them may not live as long as they think they will, even in health-conscious America. You see, he went into the city and he was purposeful about what he did. And I love what it says in the first chapter of this same epistle in verse 5. Because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and the Holy Spirit with conviction. And in verse 9 of that same chapter, it talks about what happened in the lives of these people. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reputation we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Wow. They turned from idols to serve the living and true God. We live in a place, a beautiful city, a city of over 700,000 people, that has many, many, many beautiful, empty church buildings. In October, we went around and we did several little missions expos for the WMU of Missouri. Had little kids in there. And you know what they would say when we would show them a picture of an Orthodox church or a picture of a Roman Catholic church or a picture of a Greek Catholic church, they would say, oh, wow, it's a castle. Or they would say, oh, wow, it's a museum. And then you would show them the inside where there were the glittering icons in the Catholic in the Orthodox churches or the statues in the Catholic churches and they would go oh yeah it's a museum and sadly enough that's what they function more like they are people they're places that are theoretically places of worship but it's more places that are empty and places of mysticism and magicalness. I'll kiss the icon hoping a mystical power will somehow come out to me. And they say, through this icon, I'm worshiping the true God. But then you will say, are you a Christian? 90% will say yes. But another 60% of those same people will say, but I don't believe in the existence of a personal God. Religious paganism. Materialism is running rampant. The young people are very goal-oriented. Many of them want to go to Poland, especially since the war is still going out in the east with the Russian forces that have invaded out there. So our Ukrainians, they worship many, many gods. They are very aware they're not materialists in the sense of they don't believe in any kind of supernatural. They believe in the supernatural. And they're afraid that there's some kind of power out there that might get them. But yet they don't worship the living true God. Out of a hundred people we'll see on any given day in our city, maybe one of those hundred knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You see, we need to be purposeful. And you here in the St. Louis area need to be purposeful because you have a whole new breed of pagans surrounding you that they are even stopping using the religious trappings and language of their forefathers, and they, are blatantly, they blatantly believe in nothing. The greatest population segment that is growing today are what has been labeled the nothings in America. But we need to be purposeful about reaching them with the gospel. I love the purpose of our seminary. God has been blessing. Five years ago, Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary had 35 students. Last year, we graduated 184 students. And this year, total enrollment, and none of this is residential, it's all modular, where they come in for a week, where they get fired up, where they go back out, we have over 700 students enrolled this year. But I love what Dr. Pige, our president, says. 
Enrollment is good, but unless the number of baptisms go up in the churches where our students are, our seminary is a failure. Wow. We want to be purposeful. But in that process, you know, when you try to be purposeful and you think, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this, you better be ready to be persistent. Because it's not always easy. Verse 2 of chapter 2. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel in the midst of much conflict. Philippi, Paul is arrested, thrown in and beaten, even though it was illegal to beat a Roman citizen in the way he was beaten without a trial. He was shamefully treated, but a church was birthed. So he comes to Thessalonica. He preaches in the beginning in the synagogue there. The Jews are fine with him preaching until Paul's message became more popular than their message. And then they begin to persecute him, and they persecute the new believers. But you know what he does? Paul just keeps on preaching the gospel. Sometimes I go to the store, and there's a sale on apples. Little grandmothers in Ukraine love to find bargains, especially on apples. And if you see an apple bin, and the price has been dramatically reduced, you will see a grandmother standing there, and she will look at one apple, two apples, three, up to 25 or 30 apples to find one apple. She's got to go through a lot of rotten apples to find one good one. And every time I see them, I'm convicted. I want to talk to two lost people and have one of them get saved. But am I really ready to go through 9, 10, 11, 12, some of whom may be grandmothers that consider me a member of a sect or a cult as a Baptist? But since I'm American, that's permissible. Because it's normal to be in a Protestant in America because it's theoretically a Protestant country, but to be a Protestant in Ukraine is just weird. Because you're supposed to genetically be Orthodox or Greek Catholic because you were born in Ukraine. But am I willing to go through 30, 40 conversations just to find one person who's interested? I love the persistence of some of our students. Every time they come in, they lose a week of pay. They're not on church staff. Very few of them are on a scholarship. So they're paying for their seminary and they're losing a week of pay. Six times a year. We have a guy, he's just a few years younger than I am. Late 40s. He comes in from the border of his town is the last unoccupied territory in the east where the Russians still have a large section under their occupation forces. He travels 38 hours on buses, trains, and walking to get to every session six times a year. And he comes in with a passion. He's not flamboyant. He's pretty down to earth. You might even confuse him for a redneck here in Missouri. But you know he loves Jesus. And he loves people. He's persistent. Out in the east, if you don't know it, in the occupied areas of Crimea and the east, there have been hundreds of Protestant churches burned to the ground and pastors that have been fined. And the church is having to meet no longer in worship centers but in houses as an underground movement. But we're hearing reports of churches that before the war started in 214... We're not baptizing anybody that are baptizing 5 and 10 and 15 and 20 a year. You see, you can burn down churches. You can throw ministers in jail, but you cannot ever handcuff the Holy Spirit. 
He is alive. He is well in Ukraine. He is alive. He is well in all of Missouri. He is alive even in Washington, D.C., believe it or not. And nobody can legislate the Holy Spirit out of activity. He is persistent. And the question is, will we be persistent with him? And Paul was. He was just crazy. He'd get kicked out of one city. You know the first thing he did in the next city? The very thing that got him kicked out in the last one. He just kept sharing the gospel. And I love our students. Ukraine is not a don't worry, be happy place. The culture sometimes is very negative. In school, if somebody to this day gets a bad grade, they may march them up in front and ridicule them in front of everybody. And you know, sometimes even the church culture, there are more people who can tell you why you should quit than why you should persist. And part of our job sometimes is just when they come in for a session to look them in the eye and say, our God is greater, our God is stronger. And if he is with you, there will be results in time. Hang in there, don't quit. We've got to be purposeful. We have to be persistent. And in that process, we have to be pure. Because, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're persistent and when you're focused on getting something done, subconsciously you can begin to think, well, it doesn't matter how I achieve the results as long as I achieve the results. I talk to my students all the time and I say, you cannot achieve the results that God wants using the methods that he hates. If you want to achieve God-pleasing results, you have to use God-pleasing methods. And Paul says here, you know, there's things I didn't use. For our appeal in verse 3 does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. And in verse 5, for we didn't come with you of flattery, as you know, nor with a, with a pretext for greed. He basically is saying, what you saw was what was. Paul was not in the sales department. Ukrainians have been lied to by almost anyone you can imagine. By their politicians, by their priests. It was hard for us to watch before many know a lot about our, or at least the name of Zelensky, our new former comedian and now president of the country, which I think that's kind of interesting that a comedian finally got elected, you know, an honest comedian, a real comedian. But few talk about how the guy before him tried to get official, autonomous status for the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. Oh, because he was such a faithful Orthodox. No, it was a good political move. And on the Sunday of the elections, for some reason in Ukraine, all your elections are always on Sunday. On the Sunday of the election, do you know where he showed up even? He'd already done the thing for the Orthodox. He showed up at one of the largest Baptist churches in Kiev. And he even asked if he could give a testimony. Do I believe that his heart was set on fire by the Holy Ghost? No, I think he was a good politician. And you know, we sometimes think, well, how can we manipulate? How can we advertise? How can we sell our gospel? Quit trying to sell Jesus. Just proclaim Jesus. You know, if you sell a slick version of Jesus, you have betrayed the gospel. Because Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you hide the cross and make it a slick Joel Osteen, everything's going to be hunky-dory and you'll never be sick. And everything's always going to be good. You are not preaching the gospel. And I could probably run out and I could pull together as an American a really good American cult in Ukraine if I would just tell them that they're all going to be healthy and they're all going to be wealthy and they're all going to be wise. But that's not the gospel. We have to be pure. But you know, I love working with Ukrainians. Ukrainians, it's hard to offend a Ukrainian unless you try to deceive him. But you can be pretty blunt with the Ukrainian, especially if he's your friend, 
If you get to friendship in the context that we work, or at least a deep level of acquaintance, they will tell you that your ideas are not smart. They will tell you that you're a little fat. They will tell you that you're old. They'll ask you how much money you make. They'll ask you, why haven't you got your haircut on your dog? Or why did you get a haircut? Because the poor dog's going to freeze in the wintertime. You see, but I find in our context, you can't fool dogs because dogs don't like drunk people. And if my dog doesn't want to approach somebody, I'm going to be very careful in how I approach that person. You can't fool kids. If kids don't want to be around that person, you better watch out. And it's really hard to fool lost people. You know, they've been lied to. Ukrainians assume that in any type of advertisement, there is 60% lie at best and 40% truth. And the longer I live, the more I think maybe they're underestimating the amount of lie in advertising. You see... We don't need to package. We don't need to market. We don't need to make Jesus cool. We don't, you know, I had a student one time, I was telling him, we need to preach the Bible. He said, well, if I preach the Bible, that won't be practical and that won't be interesting. I said, would you stop just a second? Do you realize that you have just said that your words... And your stories and your ideas are more practical and more interesting than the words of the living God. And he said, no, no, that that wasn't what I meant. I said, that's just what you said. You see, the Bible, all scripture is God-inspired and helpful, practical for. You can't find a book that is more practical. We have to be pure. We have to be persistent. We have to be purposeful. We know what we're doing. We want to help people. We want to touch their lives. We want to see people saved. We want to see people growing up in Jesus. We want to see new churches started out of our seminary. The students of UBTS, Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary, in the last five years have been a part of over 20 new church plants in Ukraine. And on top of that, we've had young people like Christina and Jakob. Christina and Yaakov had these two beautiful little blonde-headed kids. They could have easily sat in Ukraine and just enjoyed it. Do you know what they did over their summer vacation? They pulled together all their money. And they pulled together money from their relatives. And they went to Nepal to work with little kids. And you got to understand the context. Yaakov can say in English, my name is. Christina can do a little better. But they went to work in an English language ministry in Nepal for three months. And they spent all of their savings, and they spent some of their friends' savings, and they went to a country that they didn't know to eat food they probably didn't like, and to spend time with kids that they couldn't understand half the time, and were glad to do it. You see, that's what you're getting coming out of the seminary there. Because they are purposeful and they're persistent. And they are pure. And they are passionate. I, you know, I love teaching these students. 18 to 30 year olds. And we teach in little 70 minute blocks. Basically from 9 in the morning till 6 o'clock at night. Five days a week. And sometimes I'm just ready for my little 10-minute break between blocks just to kind of sit back and rest. And I don't know how many times last year that I would look out and I'm going, where's my water bottle? And I have six young Ukrainians lined up to ask me practical ministry questions. By the time that week was over, Pastor, I was worn out. You know, I... I had no energy left, but man, was it a fun week. You see, they're passionate about Jesus. They're passionate about reaching people. They're passionate about trying to understand the word of God and apply it. And they're passionate about those who surround them. Paul in verse 7 said, 
But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother, taking care of her own children. Verse 8, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become so dear to us. Wow. At times, people will come and they'll talk to my students about professionalism in ministry. What they really wanted to talk about is quality in ministry. That you need, whether you're a layperson, whether you're on staff, that you need to be ministering to people in the best way you possibly can. But occasionally there will be a student who interprets that differently and understands professionalism as distance. Here are the people, here am I. I love you. Jesus loves you. But you kind of stink and you drink and I don't want to get near you. Paul wasn't that way. If you really want to impact people, you have to be willing to talk to people that you really don't want to talk to. There are people that if you saw them coming down the aisle in Walmart, you would head for electronics immediately. You would not want to talk to them. But you know, that wasn't what Paul did. In the context of persecution, in the context of when people were opposing everything he said, he just loved on those new believers. He loved them. You know, it's always hard for us. What language do you use when you talk about home? Well, the place we were born, Lori was born, grew up, at least down by Arnold, back when it had a green water tower instead of the beautiful blue one it has now. I grew up southeast Missouri, 40 miles west of Cape. But that's not home. We have grandkids. Just got back from one in Colorado. Getting ready this week to go speak in some churches in Georgia and see another one in Georgia. We have three, soon four in Bonterre. But neither Georgia nor Missouri, nor Colorado, are home. You see, some people laugh and say, oh, home is where your dog is. Because we have this little Yorkie that we miss. No, home is where your heart is. And you know, we're always torn when we come back because we leave our friends to come to America. And we love when groups like Groups in Parkway come that interact with our friends And we get to introduce to our friends and dear, dear, dear ministry partners. And sometimes I don't know who I am. I don't know if I'm... I was born American. We lived 10 years in in Belarus. Now we're going on 10 years in Ukraine. And when I come home, I go, this is not the America I left. And sometimes, to be honest, when I turn on the news here, and when I was watching the news yesterday, I'm going, can I just go back to Ukraine? Yeah, I... At least they're, they don't have scandals and maneuvers and whatever's going on, whichever side you're on, on the floor of the Senate. No, they just get in fistfights, literally. And Klitschko, the former heavyweight boxer, stands in a corner and nobody gets near him. But you know, wherever we are in America or there, you better love the people around you. If you just want to program reach out to the people who are surrounding Parkway, if you just want to reach out to your neighbors formally, but you really don't want to laugh with them and cry with them, if you're not willing to go through the pain of relationships, your ministry will not be effective. It's hard. I love the Ukrainian definition of a friend. If we become friends, as my friend Anton said, If we are friends, I can call you up at 2 o'clock in the night when there's two foot of snow on the ground and tell you my car's broken down and you, without hesitation, will come get me. That's a friend. That's what Paul was doing here. He was pouring into their lives. But look at verse 11. For you know, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you. The mother image, you know, it seems so nice and tender. But there's a lot of patience in that love. 
Because little kids come without a manual, and they cry, and they need their diapers changed, and they cry some more, and they need their diapers changed, and it's, they sleep a little bit, and then they're awake a whole lot. Verse 11, he says, I talked to you, I encouraged you, I was trying to push you forward. I think Ukrainians probably understand better than Americans that if I love you, I will tell you the truth. Whether it offends you or not. Because see, he was saying here, I exhorted each one of you, I encouraged you, I charged you. All of those words, all of those phrases speak about words that are said to change the life of another. And you know, we have three grown boys, all three of them bivocational pastors. And there are wonderful times when I was able to say to them, "That's a, oh, give them those attaboys, that's wonderful. And there were other times when I had to say to them, no, that's not right. And you know, I, I would love it when Masha and Yuyu would say, oh, Dan, yeah, you learned that new word. But I didn't like it so much when they would say, I don't know what you were trying to say, but that is not what you said. I was trying to say one time in a church, thankfully they weren't there, that the snow was white except where the cars had been. And I wound up saying, except where the men had been. <laughs> and all the grandmothers just said, amen, brother, preach it. <laughs> and the youth were just like, what are you talking about? You see, if we're passionate, we will speak the truth in love. We will get close enough to people that, you know, we'll have enough relational traction. We're not just going out and screaming at people. No, we're loving them, and they know that we would give our lives for you. I have only in Ukraine, really, had friends that I knew that if the FSB or the KGB walked into the room with a machine gun to take me out, that they would step between me and the bullet. See, that's what real effective ministry is about. It's not just about busyness. It's not just about numbers, although numbers represent people. It's about treasuring every person and wanting to see more of those people in your ministries, in your service, in your life. You see, we've got to be persistent, and we've got to be pure, and we've got to be purposeful. But if we're not passionate... The first three may not make a lot of difference. People want to know that you care. You know, our students, it's amazing. If they are certain that I love them, if they are certain that I'm challenging some of their ideas because I love them, they will argue with me still. Because in Belarus and in Ukraine, even among the young, recreational arguing is still a form of recreation. And behind every Ukrainian question, there's always one more question, just like it was in Belarus. But you know, at the end of the day, if they know I love them, I can be pretty blunt with them. Especially if I stand on the Word of God. They didn't have a carousel at the Southeast Missouri Fair this year. It was kind of sad because I wanted to see the painted horses again. I wanted to see it go round and round again. I like physical carousels. But the ministry carousel scares me to death. I don't just want to go through first semester, second semester, summertime projects, roll around two and a half... Two, two and a half years, be back and do the speaking circuit in the churches again. No. I want to have people come up to me five or six years after they've graduated and say, when you said this, you changed my life. And I want to be in that moment totally unaware that I ever said it. You see... The carousel may be fine for kids, but in our adult Christian lives, there's no room for the carousel. The carousel has only one purpose, 
to keep you entertained. The carousel is really not got a pure thing because, you know, when you're getting on the carousel, oh, they smile at you when you get off and when your time is off. That guy that, you know, that carny that's standing there, he's like, get off. Come on, kid, get off. And it's not very passionate. People are nice and they smile at you. They don't know who you are. And if you fell off the horse, they'd probably keep smiling and going round and round while you just went flop back and forth on the carousel. There's no passion in there. But when we are purposeful and persistent and pure and passionate in the way we relate to other people and minister to them, God is honored and lives are changed. May Parkway Baptist Church always be persistent, purposeful, pure, and passionate in ministry. May Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary always be purposeful and pure and persistent and passionate to the glory of God and so that lives are radically changed. Amen. Let's stand and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we come before you. So often we can be busy in life and forget even to look around us to those people who need us so badly. Sometimes we're even active in church ministry, church activities. And in that process, activity becomes more important than real ministry. Father, I would pray that you would keep me, that you'd keep our seminary, that you'd keep... Parkway Baptist Church off of the carousel and in contact with people, joining you in seeing people saved, lives changed, and Christians growing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our God is greater. He's greater than the obstacles that come into life. Last week, you as a congregation heard a a passionate appeal for orphans. Those that are alone and those that cry out for someone to love them and care for them. This morning, you heard a passionate message about a nation that has a form of religion but does not know God. And you live in a nation that because of its wealth has turned its back upon God and really can live its life without God. And all around you are individuals who live a life of heartache and sorrow and fear. And the Lord God has put us here. He's put you in your neighborhood that you might be salt and light. He's put the up churches, travelers who, who don't really know where their earthly home is because their hearts have been given over to their heavenly home. What about you? What about your mission? What about your congregation? What about the people? That's what he's called us to do. And the wonderful thing about that is that he'll even help us every day to meet people, to share with people. That's our mission. But before the mission, there must be the relationship. Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? When you face... Nancy Zelly, the last time I saw her, when they had told her that she might have two weeks, she had nine days. From diagnosis of fourth stage pancreatic cancer to her going to be with Jesus, nine days. You know what she said? To me, her family, don't boo-hoo for me. Had a good life. God's blessed me. She's going home. Can you say that? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that because, not because you're good enough, not because you try hard, not because you're a Baptist, a Presbyterian, a Catholic, that you're going to heaven. Do you know because you have this relationship with God's Son? Because, dear friends, if you know it, then God has a plan for you, a mission. And there are people all around you that you can, with your skills, share with. But if you don't have that assurance, then can I invite you to meet my Savior? Can I invite you to meet the one that loved you more than he loved his own life? And was the willing to go on mission? that he knew would cause him to be stripped naked, impaled upon a cross, that you might live forever. If you have never met him, have never submitted to him, then can I invite you today to do that? How do you do it, Pastor? Simply, Lord Jesus, talk to him. Lord Jesus, I love you. I'm sorry. And I ask you to forgive me, and I ask that you make me your child. And you now have made an agreement with Jesus. He'll never break that covenant. Do you know that for sure? Do you know in your heart? If not, pray that prayer. And then allow us, your family, to rejoice with you. Step out of your pew. Come forward. Take my hand. Let us thank God for your birth into the kingdom. This is your moment. It's the mission God has given you. It's the destiny he has for you. Don't miss this opportunity. As we sing, step forward. Come. Your opportunity to respond to the gospel. Will you do it today? Turn your eyes upon Jesus Christ. Oh, soul, are you weak?